Spawn on Me is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaku, y'all. Yo, what up, everybody in Bukaku? What the deal be? Yo, this is the Spawn on Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I'm your host, Khalif. Adams rocking here in the place to be twitch.tv slash spawn on me. That rhymed. Look at that. Bars <laughs> everywhere we go. People want to know how I get my flow on. I'm excited to see y'all here. Excited to be rocking with y'all here on the podcast. It has been a minute. Uh things have been really busy. I have not been streaming a little I've not been streaming out the show. Uh because I've just been busy. Things have been like all over the place. It's been just wild out here and getting things done. But I've been head down trying to knock it all out for the smallies to make sure all that dopeness is in your ear holes, all the places you can get it. Uh we are trying to give it to you. So that is very, very exciting to have that in the mix. But uh, super excited to be back on uh, streaming here on twitch.tv thank you everyone who came by last week who rocked with us when we were doing our show um, our Spawnies nomination show which was a smashing success we had some fantastic coverage across the space in the video game industry so that was fantastic we're also now getting some love from some of the folks who were nominated in the Spawnies, which is super dope. Uh, we had the folks from Star Traders tweeted out. We had the folks from Roller Drums tweeted out. It is dope to see folks like the folks from OFK come through and share, you know, their excitement and being in the Spawnies. So again, things are moving in a very positive direction for January and our show. And that is because of all of you. You are the driving force behind the Spawnies. You are the driving force behind. Uh, all the good work that we are doing and all those nominees that are now being being shared from all of these industry uh, companies and development teams and, and development studios. That's all because of you and the work that you did uh, to, to, to add your name to that list and add those games to those lists to make sure that they were represented in that way. If you're watching our live show here at twitch.tv slash spawn on me. You can also do that right now. If you have not voted in the Spawnies, you can absolutely vote right now from our extension that you can see if you hover your mouse over the video that is playing right now on Twitch, you can see our extension pop up. You can vote on every award that's there. You can vote for all 13 there. You can also look a little bit below uh, in the panel below and you can vote there as well uh, for uh, you know one of the 13 awards that are in that mix uh, moving forward. You can do that when I'm broadcasting, when I'm not broadcasting, you can vote there or you can go to spawn, I'm sorry, you can go to the spawnies.com slash vote and you can vote there as well. So. Lots of ways that you can get into the mix. Voting is ending on the 14th of this month. So you basically have seven days left. <laughs> As of this recording, you have seven days left to get your votes in for the Spawnies. Uh, we had a very short turnaround in terms of the voting because I want everyone to kind of get in there and knock it out and, and make that happen. So voting ends on November 14th uh, at midnight. So please make sure you're getting your votes in. Make sure you're representing and getting all of your thoughts in on that side of the fence. And then, yeah, January 30th, we're going to be rocking and doing our our, our version of the Spawnies um, here on Twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. And then it'll go up on YouTube and all those other good places. So you'll see me doing a lot of running around in the next month and a half, uh, going on a bunch of shows and talking to a bunch of people about the show. So please give us some love. Give us some 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 of your energy. Uh, we have some fun stuff that, that that's going to be in the mix. If we can nail it, it's going to be brilliant and fun and super cool. Uh, so... Just very excited for us being the beginning of the uh, award season for video games now with, you know, game awards coming up. We just did our nomination show and then we'll, we'll actually have the full show um, in January. So very excited for that. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show every week and giving me some love on the Twitters. We're going to talk about Twitter uh, during our episode this week because there's a lot of stuff to talk about uh, in terms of the conversation that we're seeing and the conversations that are happening now that Twitter has been purchased 
by Elon Musk. Yeah, I put that silent pause in there for for a reason. <laughs> it is a wild time on social media, and especially if you're a user of Twitter, you are losing your mind. We're going to talk about all the ways that people are bugging, all the ways that people are right, all the ways that Elon is bugging out to uh, a little bit later in this show. But first, before we jump into any of that stuff, we have a lot of news of the week to dig through. Uh, and the first way to do that is to get into the 411. <laughs> Yo, so the 411 is up and live. We are rocking it out. The first thing I want to talk about, if you've gotten a chance to see the reviews for God of War Ragnarok, it is probably one of the highest rated games on Metacritic. The video that we're showing is not gameplay. It's from the trailer that you've all seen. So if you're looking at it now, there are no spoilers. Anything that's been in the trailer is in that video that we're showing now. So don't get mad at me and be like, yo, there's spoilers everywhere. I was like, I didn't do nothing. This is from the trailer. This is from the trailer that Sony Santa Monica and PlayStation put out. So don't beat me up here on Twitch. I'm not doing anything wrong. Okay. The conversation is amazing around Ragnarok right now. I don't think I've seen a game like... I don't think I've seen a game get this kind of love universally in a long time. I think a lot of us who were paying attention to the way that the game was going um, and the development so far and all of those layers within had a feeling that God of War was going to get a lot of high marks and get a, you know, get a into a space where it's going to be revered in a lot of different ways. But the reviews from this game, from all the folks who were in that mix have been just like across the board. Everyone like this is a masterpiece at this point, 10 out of 10s everywhere you go you know, glowing conversations about what this game is, has, has, has brought to the medium. All of those layers are within that conversation and des deservedly. So sadly, we didn't get a chance to get a review copy for the game. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, usually we get at least on some of those lists for some of the, the big games of the year. Uh, but sadly we weren't able to. So that means that I'll be playing the game alongside all of you, uh, with everybody else. So we'll be playing that, uh, when it drops in this week. Uh, and, and getting a chance to play it and give some thoughts a little bit later in the year. Uh, but I am so excited to play the game. It's interesting. So I think for me, it's been one of those things where I had seen so many of the trailers and the, the way that they're going. And again, like from the last game, if you've not played the last game, there's a really big spoiler at the end of that, which is not spoiler, there's a really big cliffhanger at the end of that game, which is that, you know, Kratos opens the door, he hears this person knock on the door, he's finished, he's gone through hell, literally, he's fought the, the Valkyries, he's done all that stuff, he has buried his wife at the top of the mountain, he's done all that work, and he gets this knock on the door, and Zeus is at the door. I mean, uh, Thor is at the door. And... It's one of those moments where you're just like, holy shit. I don't, I didn't think this game could get bigger, but now, you know, as a God killer and who Kratos is getting to see him now take on one of the most well-known biggest gods ever is something that I am extremely excited to see how they how they kind of manage that and how they kind of deal with those parts of the story, how they deal with those parts of the, you know, the building of Atreus alongside Kratos as no longer a side character in a, in a, in a real way. He's now a main, you know, character within that story and, and, and has his own kind of storyline in that way. Um, and also, you know, the big conversation around, you know, the relationship between Kratos and Atreus, uh, Atreus, I'm sorry, um, is the foundation for what this kind of father and son adventure is. And now that we're going to see this kind of come to uh, this, this full kind of layer and get expanded upon and see, you know, how all of those things are connected. I'm just really excited to see what Sony Santa Monica is going to do from a storytelling perspective. Cause I'll be honest, the stuff that I had seen from a gameplay perspective didn't really 
make me excited. I wasn't really like, oh my god, I cannot wait for this new God of War. Because my expectation as well was that we were going to have a game that was going to look remarkably different. And from even now, when I look at the video that we're sharing on Twitter, I mean on on Twitch, it it looks good. It looks fantastic. I don't think from a visual standpoint and again i have to play it the trailers are doing it justice yet i I need to see when i put it on a big tv and put you know all the bells and whistles on and run it in 4k and do all that stuff if all of those small elements are going to come together that really made the 2018 version of it shine, right? Where you're seeing all these intricate details that come across in the game. And yes, there's new traversal. Yes, there's new combat mechanics. Yes, you still have the, the chaos blades from the, from, the, from the previous game. Now, in the beginning of the game, you're not going through that process of re-acquiring uh, uh, that, that piece of your kit. But all of that to say is that I'm I'm actually just really excited to see what new layers are there. And from the, the story of what I'm hearing from so many uh, of the reviewers who had had a chance to play through it, they've done a really amazing job of making you feel very attached to the world and also adding a lot of wrinkles to the combat that we didn't see before where Kratos is more mobile, he is more uh, uh, astute at kind of working the angles in the game. And it feels like all of those things are going to kind of come to bear in a game that is going to be extremely, extremely good. It is something that I am just like, holy crap, I am so hyped for what this game is, what it's supposed to be, and where it's going to land. It makes me also really excited to know that at some point this game is going to come out on PC. Uh, It's the thing that Sony has been doing. They have been practicing what they preach in that respect, and they have found good ways to, you know, uh, uh, get connected to the PC space in a way that they hadn't done before. And now with Days Gone, multiple Spider-Man games coming to PC, multiple Uncharted games coming to PC, it's going to be really cool to see this game in particular come to PC a couple years down the line. Um, I think that's going to be a thing that uh, uh, probably a year or two from now we'll see a lot of that actually happen in in a way that's going to be pretty pretty dope. I think also, and I haven't heard this angle yet, um, has been... Do we get any other stuff in here that's going to, you know, I don't know if there were any more spoilers, not spoilers, any more cliffhangers about like, do we see any more of the Norse gods come through? Do we see any more of that stuff happen? Um, it would be kind of dope to see. Well, I don't know. Let me Let me take a step back, actually. I don't know if... I want them to continue down this road with Kratos. I think there was a moment where, and this is probably right before you got from kind of pulled back camera God of War to now behind the camera Kratos and and God of War, where I think there was a real question of, are we kind of tired of this story? Are we kind of tired of mean ass, ashy man? Uh, punching gods in the face and doing that kind of stuff while also then seeing this consistent conversation about how do you from a technology perspective get bigger how do we how do we add more layers to this and we saw them do that really well in terms of the first kind of major god of war in that game and dr jones says god of war six cradles finally find some moisturizer like if 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 PlayStation doesn't do, uh, you know, a, a tie-in somehow with uh, Jurgens or something like that, then it will be a really missed opportunity because Kratos is dry as fuck. Like, he's been dry for at least six games at this point. That cat needs, like, a day at the spa in a real way. And it's weird, too, because, like, in a wild way, Kratos has been fighting... 
in really well lit places like you would think that some of that sun would have gotten like into his skin does he have more is kratos really black does kratos just have more melanin than everyone but you can't see it so his body is blocking sunlight in a way that's not giving him a tan does his is all that white stuff on his body not ashes of his fallen uh, uh enemies is that actually just uh suntan lotion a sunscreen it could be sunscreen maybe that's what it is maybe the fight that we that, that kratos is really fighting is against the sun and it's not against the gods maybe he has learned that sunscreen maybe he's at like 2000 spf maybe that's the way that it rolls i don't know it could totally be true i need to get cory barlog on the show at some point to see if we can make that happen to have that conversation it is a damn shame that i've not been able to get cory barlog on the show yet even though it should have happened a long time ago i think we're big enough to get cory barlog on the show i'm just saying cory i know you listen to the show i know that there you know we have we've had we, we slid in each other's dms at some point you know let me know who I need to poke at Sony to see if we can make that happen post-launch. I'd like to make that happen in a real way. So, if and Dr. Jones, if you get him on asking about moisturizing, I'll die. I'm going to ask that question. If, if Look, somebody clip this and put this on Twitter. If Corey Barlog comes on Spawn on me... Wait, matter of fact, hold on. We got to go. We got to go full. 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. we got we got to do it for real for real. Get ready to clip this because this is what it's gonna be. If Corey Barlog comes on to spawn on me at any point during this PR cycle or anytime after the game, I will ask him the question about if Kratos is still gray because his body is just full of sunscreen. That's the real answer that we need to hear from Corey and the rest of the Sony Santa Monica team. I'm just saying it needs to happen. Back to the show. So. I, again, I'm I'm super excited for what that could potentially be. I I, I think there's going to be a really fantastic layer of story in there, um, and 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 I think that's going to be really really important for us to see. Alongside that, you know, story number two for for this episode of Spawn of Me is all about PSVR two and the 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 anger and the frustration and the fireballs coming from the sky around the price of psvr2 are amazingly understandable and i get it and i think you're all wrong <laughs> i'm okay with that i look i'm look i'm okay with saying i think people are wrong and i'm okay with being like look i'll be an outlier i'll be a person who is standing on the corner on my little you know my little apple box and being like yo Jesus is coming and also the PSVR 2 price is right. <laughs> I know people. Here's the thing. And this is, you know, we'll talk about Twitter after after this. But I think the the one of the things that I've noticed, and this is a consistent thing over my almost 13 years on social media and especially on Twitter, has been everyone gets in their feelings about everything at the most at the most forceful version of it. And then people who have thought about it a little bit more come to the conversation and all of those people get clowned and laughed at because they actually had some nuanced perspectives about some of the conversation. Now look, PSVR coming in at almost five at, at about 550 US retail is an expensive piece of gear. I will never not say that that is true. It is a enthusiast piece of kit. It is an enthusiast piece of hardware for a very niche members or very niche portion of the video game industry. It is not something that a lot of people are going to be paying for. It is a thing that I don't think a lot of people are going to be able to purchase because we're in if a session, people losing their jobs left and right, people are worried about the future of the economy. We're in the midterms in terms of a midterm election. Go vote tomorrow uh, for, for Tuesday. There are a lot of weird things that are happening in the world right now where a $650 price tag for a thing is hard to hit. It's not a thing that uh, I'm expecting everyone to be able to be, go out and purchase, especially when you know, the conversation about, oh, well, this thing is more expensive than 
the PlayStation 5 in and of itself. And to a certain extent, I think it should be. I don't think it shouldn't. I don't. I don't think this should have parity with the price point of the PlayStation Five. The price point, the the parity in terms of price point for the PlayStation VR was the best case scenario for what this was going to purchase. Uh, what this was going to be. It was never going to be less than what the the, the console was going to cost, especially the digital deluxe version. A digital uh, no disc version of it was never going to be three ninety nine. At most, it was potentially going to be four ninety nine. Even if at maybe it was going to be four forty nine, four fifty at, at, at the lowest price. Five forty nine is a layer of Sony in my mind saying, "We want you to have a premium experience with a premium piece of hardware." that is not going to be the Quest 2, is not gonna be the HTC Vive. It is going to be specifically built for our platform, for our console, and it's gonna be a thing that Microsoft is not doing. Microsoft has said, we thought HoloLens at some point was gonna be potentially gonna be the VR version of a gaming headset for Microsoft's console. And we saw that that was not what that was used for. PlayStation VR 2 is going to be the best version of a headset that I can think of outside of, outside of a Quest and in between that space between uh, a HTC Vive and something even higher end than that. Because I don't think that the Meta Pro is really going to be for gamers. I think that is a, a a a device that is one almost three times as expensive, and two just has different use cases for it, which I don't think are going to be in that mix for folks. So when people are barking and when they were barking, oh my god, how could they price this more than the console? There are reasons for that. And I think from a technological standpoint, there are at least two things that I think that make it worth it in a real tangible way. There are more, but I think there are at least two things I think are uh, two or three things that I think are very, very important. Um, I will also have the caveat of saying I worked in the VR space when I was at Intel for a little bit. So I learned a little bit about why the technology works in some ways and why it's important, all that kind of stuff. And be fair, I think... The thing that sold me on PlayStation VR, even before the price, was I saw on The Verge, uh, one of the gentlemen who went and had a preview of the of the device really came away with a glowing uh, feeling around it in a way that I didn't expect. I was expecting them to kind of be like, ah, it's all right, it's okay, I don't know. But I think the the layer there that I think that is important for me, and I think the other conversation is around, you know, people also being like, why am I going to spend $540 for a tethered headset, a tethered HMD? And I still people really don't understand the differences that you get from a fidelity perspective from tethered versus non-tethered. I think there is a tangible difference in, in fidelity that you wind up getting from that perspective. The beauty of what they've done in terms of where that lands is one of the major things that you needed to really make your PlayStation VR work, the first version, was a camera. It took up space. It didn't really have any other purpose because no other games were really using it. Plus, you had to go and purchase PlayStation Moves to get the fullest version of what the VR experience was going to be for that platform. I, I don't call the PlayStation VR an accessory. I think of the PlayStation VR as a platform. It is a different platform for games, hence another reason why I think that pricing is at that space is at that level it's at that number where i don't i also don't think of playstation thinking of this as a uh, accessory i think of this as them thinking about this as a platform now what we want to believe is that hopefully if you're going to spend this kind of money for all the you know research and development and all the stuff you're trying to do that you're hopefully going to continue to uh, uh, support it for a much longer time than you did with the PlayStation One VR. Uh, I'm sorry, P- PlayStation VR. Um, but that again is like, who knows what that means? I think, and I also think like, look, 
the real conversation is like the first adopters for everything always get screwed. That's it. from a technology perspective. That has never not been the way. Most times when you go into that space, first movers, people who are the people who jump on technology first, always kind of get screwed. We get screwed because consoles get smaller. They wind up being new versions of those things. All of those things wind up getting changed and, and fixed. I always am a little bit worried anytime I go buy a new iPhone because I feel like a year later they'll come up with a slimmer, sexier, better version of the thing I just purchased with a feature that I really was hoping for and the one that I just got that is no longer in that thing. So here's a couple of things I think are important. 2000 by 2040 pixel per resolution per eye. I think that's important. I think that's important because it also gives you a, another layer of, again, of fidelity. I think one of the things that you forget when you go from older VR headsets is the pixelation that you can see within those graphics. All the, 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 the lenses in those just couldn't give you the high-end pixel density that you wanted from a HMD that you are now going to get in something like this. Then moving from, from the previous screens back to OLEDs or, or to OLEDs with that kind of pixel density, I think is really important. 4K H HDR, really important. Having both 90 and 120 hertz frames, really important. Again, once you start to dip underneath 90 hertz, that's where you get motion sickness. That's where you get a lot of ghosting. That's where you get a, a, a not great version of a VR experience, which I think is, is, is not great. 110 degree view of field. Uh, that's also very important. I got a chance to play with a headset called a Pimax 8K or 4K um, some years ago when I worked at Intel and was playing Subnautica in that game. And Subnautica, if you're not familiar, is a game where you're underwater, you're, you're, you're kind of looking at fish, you're kind of in, a, in the ocean, basically. And one of the things that you think about when you're in VR spaces is you wind up getting this tunnel vision. And this tunnel vision winds up kind of coming around your periphery in your, in your, your view. And when you have that, it winds up being distracting because it takes away from the immersion of you feeling like you are fully immersed in a space and you're not thinking about your surroundings. You want to get lost in it. And I think the wider of a field of view helps to kind of uh, connect in that way. Here's the thing I think is really important. Eye tracking and foveated rendering. So eye tracking and foveated rendering are super important because what it winds up doing is all the stuff that's on the periphery of your vision, wherever you may look, the periphery stuff is at a little bit of a lower resolution, but the stuff that's right in your frame of view is exactly what the hardware focuses on. And it gives you a clearer, crisper look at what that thing is. So that also, again, with all the things we just talked about, gives you a more high-end experience in that way, which I think is, again, very, very important. <clears throat> the external tracking cameras means you don't need a camera on, uh, at the bottom of your TV. You have a single USB connection, which is... Again, a lot better than that breakout box that you had to use before that was unwieldy, was kind of stupid, didn't really have a lot of use for it, except for being a pass-through, which was really frustrating to use because it just added this layer of how much stuff do I need to make this one piece of gear work when now you basically plug that into the front of your, your PlayStation VR that has a USB-C um, port in the front and you're pretty much good to go. Of course, you have to worry about, you know, the cable because you're tethered. But even with that being the case, it's not a big ass thick cable that you have to worry about that they had before. I think that's again, that's a big, big part of the conversation. The thing that I think makes this worth the money. Again, there was a bunch of stuff in that conversation that was in there that I think would made a lot of conversations about price and, and 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 people had sticker shock and I think all of that is reasonable and, and 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 good but I really don't think people understand how much I think this feature of having this new sense controllers come in the package have uh 5.1 bluetooth rechargeable batteries six doff uh tracking uh so six depth of field tracking finger tracking using capacitive touch buttons and infrared haptics and specialized haptic controllers like the DualSense controller. Again, 
That is a huge deal for immersion. The thing that makes VR really dope is the fact that you get lost in it and all of the things you think and feel and you're using your senses, you start to forget that you're in it. Once you start to forget that you're in it, that's when VR becomes magical. And I think you need all of your senses to be engaged for you to really get that full experience in a way that is tangible, in a way that, is, that, that kind of connects to um, the way you think about the game that you're playing and the fact that, you know, a lot of times the way you interact with VR games is usually through a, some sort of a weapon, like an, a bow and arrow, a gun, having some of that tactile, tactile feel in a controller that you're using in VR, like, Again, I think the dual sense is still the 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 one feature that really makes the PlayStation 5 different in a real way in terms of the console space and I think it still when it works really well and, and developers really tune for it can make some really wild and interesting uh experiences happen within that controller space. I think you get a lot of that probably turned up a couple of notches because you're not looking at a screen and because you are now doing that work with your hands in a way that feels very different. Right. So that to me, I, again, like I think people who are jumping on that conversation and jumped on it early and got all their, their fee-fees out and all their feelings out because that's what most people do on Twitter is they say a thing and then they think about it and they're like, Oh shit, maybe I could have held that tepid take and maybe it's not there or the people who are still like nah this is gonna keep sony out of the vr space in a real tangible way like i'm already seeing the conversation about is this the new vita and i just don't think that that's the way that you need to think about it because a lot of those folks who are um who are like in the conversation Either we're like, I'm going to buy VR, but I already am not a VR enthusiast. I kind of care, but I kind of don't. Or they were never really going to buy it because they just, that wasn't their jam. VR is not the jam for everybody. I'm totally fine with that. But this idea that Sony is not at least trying to put out a comparable piece of gear in a way that is going to hopefully be adopted by developers is kind of unreasonable in my mind. Like, yes, you need an inflection point so that you get mass um, uh, adoption, but VR is never going to get mass adoption. Like, even with the even with the, the the Quest Two, they had a fairly good amount of people buy that thing, but we won't hit mass adoption rates until a, a VR headset doesn't look stupid on your face. That's honest. Like until it looks like a pair of reg regular glasses and you can flick a switch and then that turns into your VR experience. We're not going to see VR have a wide adoption rate in the way that people are talking about it. Like, oh, if the price was cheaper on this thing, then we might have gotten there. I don't I just don't believe that. Like, I just don't think that that's real. Again, VR is still a very niche layer of the space and one in which. It takes that lightning in a bottle, something like Half-Life Alex, to really get into that space. And I don't know yet if Horizon's going to be that thing or if it's going to be, you know, some other game that we didn't see that comes out of nowhere that really blows open the doors for VR in a way where everyone is talking about it and everyone is trying to figure it out. The difference will be, even if that title does come out there's going to be a price barrier to getting into going and seeing that and being a part of that experience and that's just the way technology works so i am excited for playstation vr i think psvr is is priced probably as reasonably as you can for what that piece of hardware is going to wind up getting you um, and it also makes me want to dig back into vr experiences that i hadn't had a chance to play around with like no man's sky um, uh, uh, the the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, uh, Resident Evil Village stuff like that, and the Star Wars uh, Tales from Galaxy's Edge that kind of stuff. The one thing I do wish though was that I wish that they would find a way to go back and talk to some developers who already have uh, titles on 
PlayStation VR and try to figure out a way for PlayStation One, uh, PlayStation VR One games to play on PlayStation VR Two. That is a major bummer for a lot of folks who spent good money on some of those games uh, previously. I have a whole unused version of uh, like the Iron Man PlayStation One VR game. Like I'm probably going to go sell that on eBay uh, sometime very, very soon because it's literally just sitting in my closet. The day I bought that kit and it came to my house was the day that they announced PlayStation VR 2. And I wanted to shit myself and cry. I was like, ah, why? I just bought this joint. I was so excited for it. And now you're going to tell me the new versions in there. Now it's sitting in, the, in my living room closet, not getting played. Um, all of that said, I'm very, very excited for what this is going to wind up being and uh, how this potentially could change the conversation around VR in that way. Um, I also don't think that there's going to be a version of it that's going to be wireless at all because, again, that adds weight to the to the headset. That adds a lot of stuff in there because you need basically a battery pack for that. And you need some compute to kind of be in that space. So I don't think you were going to get that. But... It'll be cool to see where this thing is going to land. Um, last story for the 411 for this episode is Elon Musk has purchased Twitter for $44 billion. Hold on one second. Had to drink some water from our audio folks out there. Um, uh, um, here's here's the biggest thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on this because all the people on Twitter right now are killing me. It is one of the another layer of what social media or what social media does is this this conversation elevation of literally any and all versions of whining that come across in a space gets amplified and put into a megaphone in a way that I feel like is just not useful. And a lot of the conversations that have been happening around Elon taking over Twitter have not been useful. I think there have been a lot of great calling out of uh, him doing shitty things like firing massive amounts of people who need did you need to make that site run had a really great conversation in Twitter spaces uh, a couple days ago when a uh, friend of the show Steve Saylor talked about um, all the folks from the accessibility team being pulled off of that I know that the affinity groups who are in there Blackbirds and a lot of other folks who are in there are probably gone now too um, but the mass I'm deleting my Twitter now doesn't do anything. And here's a reason why it annoys me. Everyone who says that has been on Twitter for God knows how many years. They've been on there for longer than three, more, more than five, and probably around seven to eight to ten. Twitter, honestly, hasn't changed that much from a vibe perspective, especially for folks who are coming from underrepresented and marginalized spaces, those conversations have been the same. The differences have been, there has been a actual uptick in hate speech in the last years leading up to the Trump presidency. That has been a huge part of that conversation. But if you are in the spaces and in the trenches throughout all of those years, Twitter has not been that different in terms of the way people talk to each other. There was a little bit, it was a little bit less terse. It was a little bit less fussy and fighty, but the same vibes were there right before Twitter was owned by a rich motherfucker. There was another rich motherfucker who owned Twitter, who everyone hated too. So this idea that, Elon Musk is going to come in and ruin everything is probably true, but also don't make it seem like all the people who you have been cussing and screaming and fighting and whining about being like, I hate this hellscape. This hellscape is annoying. And I hate every time that I come on to it every day for most of my life in a space that I hate, that I give money to and visibility to and spend most of my free time on. I hate it so much, but you show up every fucking day. <laughs> 
it's the dumbest shit on the planet it makes no sense it it is the wildest version of I like let me show what is it uh, uh the the Marshawn Lynch joint it's just like yo I'm just here because I gotta gotta get a check something like that but ain't nobody getting paid you don't have to be on Twitter you can leave Twitter whenever you want if Twitter was that bad you would have dipped but the people who are trying to continue yeah I'm here so I won't get fired thank you thirsty panda um but for all the people who are worried about how difficult it's going to be to change all this stuff, Elon has made dumb moves in the past 48 hours to 72 hours. He's made idiotic moves. He's made really stupid moves already. The $8 verification stuff, the people parroting uh, his account, and now he's going to ban those permanently. Like, there's a lot of dumb things that a very rich man has done, even in this short amount of time. I will give everybody that because it's true. He's made really stupid decisions already. And I think that there will be a lot more because this is a clout play. We all know this is a play about clout. This isn't a cloud about free speech. This isn't a cloud. I mean, this isn't a a, a a thing that you do for uh, for the benefit of the community in the town square. This is because you were getting your behind kicked on a social media platform. You were like, I got. You know what? I got some people who got some money who can hook me up and get me into that door and make me give me enough money to buy that thing. Like. We all understand it. We don't. It's it's not like this is a veiled thing that we're just like, hmm. I wonder what the the motivation was behind this. I wonder what this means. I, how does what's what's the conversation here that we need to dig into? He's a rich dude who's bored. He's a bored rich man. That's the reason why he bought Twitter because he could. It is a wild ass flex to be like, I'm going to spend forty four billion dollars, which doesn't even touch how much money he actually has which he's borrowing from banks and now that's the reason why you're just having all these conversations about you know um what's going to be the new monetization layer what's going to be the conversation around verification like yes verification is important in some ways yes it does give you some more visibility yes it does give you some ability to do some other stuff in and outside of social media spaces yes it is really about do are you who you say you are and if verification then goes away it doesn't change the timber of the conversation for who you are as a person doing the work that you're doing. If you've done enough work to be understood by the group that you need to be understood by. If I lose my check, I'm not paying $8. Look, I'm in an in-between space. We do some monetization through Twitter. If you do look at our Twitter and you see there's a video that has an ad in front of it, I have monetized that video so that I can make money to make Spawn on Me run, to make the Spawnies run, to make uh, uh, Spawn for Good run, to make all of those things run. When I need to go to a conference or I need to go do an appearance or I need to go do any of that stuff, if it's not paid for, I don't get a chance to go. Oh, the Game Awards are happening? I got to pay out of pocket to go do that. Jeff Keighley's not flying me down from Portland to go to LA to go to the Game Awards. I got to come out of pocket for that. So there are ads on some of our videos, right? The other layer of if you give everybody the, the key for verification and it doesn't mean anything, that's also totally fine. Because the same people who were there who were like, damn, I wish I could have gotten a, a, a check mark. If they get a check mark and their content is still stupid, it doesn't mean we have to elevate stupidity. We don't have to. We do it all the time as a gaming community. We do it from a, a media perspective. We celebrate stupidity and ignorance and all of that stuff all the time. And we still haven't learned a lesson around that. The verification process around Twitter has always been weird and funky there are people who are brilliant who don't have a check mark and there are people who are idiots and assholes who have check marks so like we're fighting over this thing that doesn't even matter and adding all this extra layer of stuff to a thing that doesn't even matter if twitter goes away tomorrow yes there will be huge consequential th consequential things that happen 
I, as a person who use, uses Twitter every day, multiple times a day, for connection to other human beings, to connections to things I care about, to all of those things, we'll have a hard time adjusting to Twitter not being there. I will fully admit that. But it does not mean the world ends if Twitter goes away tomorrow. You know what? There was a whole 15 years ago that didn't have Twitter in it, and it was okay. There's a no, there's a whole other time period in which Twitter will go away and everyone will still be okay. Willie, that Willie B says, now Kyle, you know you use Twitter to remind us that Paris can't cook. That's the best content on Twitter right now. <laughs> but all of that rant to say, all of this energy around all of this stuff happening is so cyclical because it happens every time something goes wrong in spaces in which, and I'll have to say it, a lot of progressive thought happens where we're like, oh my God, this thing is bad from this malevolent thing and this person who we don't like, everyone has to dip out because now it's bad and we're in this hellscape where no one's going to survive and everything's going to be terrible all the time. And I'm like, you know what? You've been here long enough to have worked your way through it. I think you'll be okay. Maybe you'll need a hug. Maybe you'll need some space. Maybe you'll need to go somewhere and do some other shit that's not Twitter. But I think you'll be okay. But this inability to feel like once something, once one domino falls that the world is coming to an end, is some wild chicken little shit. And it's really unreasonable and unnecessary. And it's making the space even worse because you have to filter through all of this other nonsense. You know what? That's not true either. Let me take a step back. I, as a person, don't need to filter through that stuff. I just mute all the dumb shit and at this point because I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. It's, un, it's, it's, it's people who don't understand how to maneuver in, in a space and it kind of reeks of an inability to cope. And I'm like, what are you going to do in this life when something really goes wrong? Like, what are you going to do when something really bad happens? In the same way that I was barking at people when when there were so many hate raids on Twitch of being like, look, everyone is trying to figure out good solutions to everything. I think we are all in this fight together. As people who want to see the world be better, I think we all are trying to figure out good ways to make change, to find ways that we can have influence in the circles that we that we are connected to, and to make sure that all of us are going to be okay within those circles. I think that's fine. But there's also a certain point where you have to look at a thing and you have to be like, look, this place is untenable for me, and I am deciding to not fight anymore i think that's okay people who don't want to fight don't fight anymore that's totally fine but you don't have to beef about all the things that are happening just leave just dip it's not that hard just dip if twitch ain't helping you out and be and people are still running up in your chat calling you all kinds of words and all this other stuff stuff that you've probably heard for some portion of your life and you have managed your way through it you will probably be okay. You can dip. You can stay. You can fight. You can have conversations about it. But this constant drone of whining about everything that is wrong and people not doing the work to think about all the layers that we can still be connected and the ways that we still want to connect and the ways that we can use shitty platforms to our benefit is just tiring because all it does is fuss about the issue, the issue, the issue. It doesn't fuss about solutions. And to a certain extent, what are you going to do? This rich dude owns it. It's not run by committee. It's not. He fired the board earlier this week. If he decides to be like, I want every Negro off this platform tomorrow. What's the thing that you're going to be able to do? Not a goddamn thing besides be like, this is racist. And I don't want to support a racist platform. And then you know what you'll do? You'll freaking leave. But otherwise, figure it the hell out and keep it moving. Like, yo, it's not that not that difficult to understand. Anyway, that Willie B says, I'm going to Black Planet meet then. <laughs> I'm going to put my MySpace page back up and have my top eight be nothing but fit women on Instagram. That's what it'll be. 
anyway, that was my rant for Elon Musk and his purchase of Twitter. Uh, I'm sure there's some good nuggets there that will definitely be clippable and all that kind of good stuff. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to grab some water and then we're going to talk about uh, two games I've been playing uh, on the back end of the show in the What We've Been Playing segment. And then we're going to get up out of here uh, for this episode of Spawn On Me uh, Word. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Spawn Me Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Adams. If you missed the first part of our show, you missed a banger conversation. We talked a little bit about God of War coming out this week. Talked a little bit about PSVR 2 and the price being right. I believe it. Uh, and we also talked a little bit about Elon Musk buying Twitter and the internet losing its goddamn mind. <laughs> it lost its goddamn mind and it's whatever. Anyway, I have been playing a crap ton of Modern Warfare 2. I did not expect to be this excited and this hype to be back in the scene for a game that I felt like for a long period of time was out of my reach. I think there's a space where you get old and you're like, yo, I can't play this game anymore because I just don't have the dexterity. I don't have the eye-hand coordination anymore to play this game at the level of younger players and the, the, the level of a lot of people who are faster with the sticks than I am. And I have to say, this game has been pretty damn fantastic in terms of balancing out not only really good gameplay, but it has balanced out this 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 flow that you wind up getting in a Call of Duty game that I feel was missing in a lot of the titles that came out a couple years ago. For me, I have been having so much fun rolling through and playing a bunch and winning, losing, figuring out maps and uh, routes on the map. And, you know, the campaign was brilliant. We talked about this on the last episode of the show. Um, but I'm having really good matches and learning a lot about my own playstyle. I am I am I want to do a video and I'm probably going to do this video actually very very soon. I've been thinking about like what does it look like to do actual content in or for Call of Duty. Um and you know again there are like the people who are doing their versions of the you know what's the best guns, what's the best loadout, what's that kind of stuff. I want to do content that's literally about my playstyle, which is something that I think a lot of people love and appreciate and um, have been at the forefront of video games for a long time, especially the fighting game community, because everybody loves the people who camp. I'm a camper. <laughs> I camp my ass off. I camp quarters. I camp every spot that you can possibly get to. I'm that mother sucker who's hiding behind a door with a shotgun, shooting you in your leg meat, and I don't give a flying mother. Boop. I don't care. I will shoot you in your legs and it'll be fantastic. I love it. Camping is the best thing ever. But I don't can't I I don't camp in a way that's like I'm gonna sit in the spot for the whole match and, and try to get kills. I'm not that person. I call what I do strategic camping. I like to do things where I am playing the map, playing the objective, making sure that I'm getting routes right, making sure I'm getting intel from my teams, but also making you be the person who's the dumbass who's running around the map because the gun, because the walking sounds are so good in this game that you can hear people who are about to run a corner and you can blast them in the back meat with a shotgun because they run around the map like chickens without heads and then I get to play smart and not hard. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing and I love every moment of it. Every time I get to see somebody run around the map and all of them get shot in the neck piece and then they cuss me out and they call me all kinds of N-words and they call me all kinds of stuff because I definitely pick 
the big black dude who supposedly looks like me and like three other black dudes. So they get even more mad because they're like, this nigga shot me in my back. And I'm like, yes, I did. And it was great. And they call me all those names. And then I live for it. And I just celebrate. And I just feel all that racist energy in my body. And I translate that into more camping. And then it winds up becoming the best thing ever. And I just love it. But I don't. But I, but I need to make some content around that. So I've been trying to figure out, I gotta actually like play <laughs> and do some more uh, and do a video feeding off the hatred. Yes, I need to do a video that's going to piss people off and it's gonna be like best spots to camp in Modern Warfare 2. That, that alone, that title alone is going to piss people off in a way that is going to suck up views like a vacuum. It'll get so many hits. It'll be so beautiful. It's going to be so fantastic. And it's going to be great. Because what I, because you know the thing that I love to do. You know I love branding. You know we do a really fantastic job in terms of branding content here. I think the stuff that we do on Spawn of Me and Spawnies and even the stuff we did in AKA and the stuff that we did with the uh, Thursday Night Football stuff, like we do a really good job with that kind of stuff. Uh, Thirsty Panda says, Panda says, turn off the comments. Oh, hell no. I want all the comments in there to be gross and terrible because I just want them to give me all the things so I can have people look at it. It's going to be brilliant and fantastic. Again, it's that moment of understanding how the internet works and working the internet like a glove. It's going to be so great. I need to just figure out the way to do it. I need to put on my, you know, 19 to 23 year old white kid voice. Hey, everybody, you know what next is coming up? We're going to do our first camping spot. First camping spot. Remember to like and subscribe. Remember to hit that like button. Hit that bell. Yeah, buddy. First camping spot. I'm going to do that and it's going to get millions of views. And I'm, you know what? Maybe I'll do it and I'll just never show my face like dream. And then they'll be like, oh my God, it's a black dude. And he's old. Fuck. <laughs> now let's get right into it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be so great. It'll be so fun. I'm so excited for it. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I should, I should try to figure out a way to um i wish i could do like ai art but like make that a thing like make a like a like i can cosplay a, a young white teenager and be like camping but it, it, it gets even better if they see if they see your face and they'd be like it's a black dude too eh. like infuse that that racism into it get gary widow for my thumbnails <laughs> yo gary widow's thumbnails have been wild so gary widow you know, maker of many, many different fantastic shows and movies and all that kind of stuff. He's been bugging out since Elon has taken over Twitter, making all these wild thumbnails that are all, all over the place and all this other reason, unreasonable stuff has been kind of fantastic, but it's, <laughs> you can see him like spiraling into madness. It's kind of great, but all of that to say modern warfare two is in a really good spot. I think now they're having conversations, unfortunately about like not licensing some of the places that they've made maps into, which is also a very weird thing. Uh, there's also, uh, the newest map that is supposedly going to get taken out of the game, which is the worst map in all of modern warfare, call of duties, uh, first person shooter history is supposedly getting taken out of the game. I don't think that's real. Actually. I think that, I think that tweet actually was a fake tweet, but they, they they supposedly have taken one out uh, that has been uh, one that was set in a museum because they modeled it after museum and didn't get the licensing for it. There's another one that also is of a hotel that they didn't get uh, the rights to use and it's modeled after that hotel. So they're in a rough spot. If they keep wilding out with the way that they've been licensing stuff, they're not going to have any maps. It's just going to be all dirt in random spots, random buildings. It'll look like Unreal Engine 5 when you go into the, 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 the store and just pull out assets and make that your map. Wild stuff. Um, last but not least for this show, uh, for what I've been playing, uh, I've been playing this really interesting um, uh, psychological thriller called, uh, what are you called? Is It is based on Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Um, and I need to find the name of the game because I know it's uh, name of the game it's called alfred hitchcock's vertigo um it is a psychological thriller 
It is coming to you from what team is this? It is coming to you from uh, studio. Uh, let's see. From Pendulo Studios, published by Microids. Um, it's actually really interesting. It is a. It feels like a little bit of Indio, Indigo Prophecy. Um, it is not connected to the movie property at all. It's actually really weird that they pulled the Alfred Hitchcock thing there, but it's been inspired by the Alfred Hitchcock uh, movie. Um, and I'm having a blast through it right now. It is very, very I don't want to say a lot about it because I don't want to give any spoilers, but the vibe is very much like dude has gone into a town. He's living there. He's finding that he's been connected to, you know, all of these other people in his life. He's kind of like had that moment. There was a Johnny Depp movie that was like this where Johnny Depp uh, went into the, the woods to go find himself as a writer and all these weird happenstances kind of come about uh, because of his, the house being haunted and the space being haunted, all that kind of stuff. But it's really about this one character having all of these layers to him in his past and all of these players in the game uh, or, or characters in the game kind of pulling those out of him and him not really being able to really trust his his thoughts. While digging into his past, you find some things about him and his former life and all those kinds of things. Um, I think it's definitely a fun game to run through on a weekend. It's definitely a fantastic thing there. You know, I love stuff where you get a chance to kind of, you know, think about what the player is going to do and the motivations for what that character is trying to do. You know, I'm a big Hitchcock fan. So anytime you talk about games or, or things that are referencing things like that, that's also pretty, pretty fantastic. I think I don't think it's doing anything specifically. Um revolutionary but i think them using layers secret window thank you beans secret window was the name of that movie but using some layers of things that they have gathered from uh hitchcock storytelling and using that as a way to influence games is really really cool uh to be able to dig into it that way i think you know, I'm a big fan of horror. All of you know that. And anytime you get into that horror suspense layer, then it really wants to to pull me into some some, some good stuff. I've also been playing. Um, uh, what was the name of the thing that uh, Cam was talking about? Uh, Cam Hawking Signalis. I've been playing Signalis because we talked about it for the Spawnies. So I've been playing through a little bit of that. Uh, and really just waiting for God of War to pop off into some other stuff in that mix. Been playing a little bit of the new uh, Jackbox Party uh, game stuff. I've been playing a little bit of that as well. So running through a bunch of different things in the, in the mix in terms of you know games and stuff that's 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 happening right now. And it's been a lot of fun to you know dig into some games that are a little bit out of my comfort zone and stuff that's kind of pulling me back into some ideas around things that I really care about, which has been super, super fun. So, you know, all of that to say, there's a lot of good stuff out here in the world right now. There's a lot of fantastic games that are happening. February of next year is going to be a monster. We also have some stuff that's still dropping this month and next and next month. That's going to be really, really good. Uh, but I'm playing a crap ton of modern warfare. I finally got my red camo, which means I had to knife like 7,000 people uh, playing overwatch really late at night to get that vibe in. Um, but now just finding some ways to reconnect with other people who are playing a lot of fun stuff. It's always cool to kind of dig back into your bag when you're finding people who have been video game players for a long time. Um, Dead Space is also coming out. Callisto Protocol is coming out next month. Atomic Heart is coming out very, very soon. A lot of stuff that I'm really, really hyped for in that space. It's so funny uh i was playing with someone on call of duty because i feel like call of duty is a game that brings people back into stuff evil west is also a good game that i'm really excited about um and uh we had this moment and we were like hey how long have we been playing together you know how long have we been friends on console and she was like you know we've been playing video games together for since before i had my two kids before I met my husband. So we've probably been playing together on Xbox for about 20 years now. 
that number blew me away. I was like, what? We've been playing for that long together? I can't believe we've been playing that long together. Uh, so, again, I think it's one of those things where like, when we think about gaming, gaming is a space to continue to have those friendships last for a long time. We don't talk to each other a lot. You know, we're all in different places. They're now in Germany because their husband is in the military. So, there's a lot of conversations about that. But knowing that I've been in these places playing video games for this long with, with people for that long is kind of beautiful. It's kind of one of those awesome, awesome moments where you're like, gaming can be for everyone. Gaming is for everyone. And gaming is a thing that you can enjoy for such a long period of time. So, uh, with that said, uh, you have seven more days to vote for the Spawnies. Please go to the spawn, the spawnies.com slash vote. You can vote right now as we speak here on twitch.tv slash spawn on me with our extension or with the panel extension down on the bottom beneath the player. We have, you know, you got seven days up until midnight to get those votes in, um, to make sure that happens. And then in January, we'll be pulling in some dope, dope, dope. Uh, conversations around the game that's in. What's up, Kim Chica? I see you, fam. Thank you so much for coming through. Um, so we got lots of stuff to talk about in terms of video games and more stuff in that space as well. So make sure you keep it locked here to spawn on me in all the places that we reside on all podcast platforms around the globe and in your ear holes every week uh, when I get my shit together. <laughs> so uh, with that, we're going to get up out of here for this episode. I'm going to go edit this bad boys and put it out tonight. Uh, and please, please, please support, 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 not only vote in the Spawnies, go vote for the midterm elections that are happening tomorrow. Please let your voices be heard voting as much as people poo poo about it. It is still one of the best uh, ways to get involved in terms of local government and things that will affect you and your family on a daily basis. Please go use your power of voting uh, because it really does mean a lot to everyone involved in the process and to you and your family. So with that said, we're going to get up out of here for this episode of Spawn on Me. Much love to you all. We'll see you all next week. And we're up out of here. Peace. Deuces. <laughs>